0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about faith. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to let you know about what's happening at our church this summer. Due to COVID-19 and everything surrounding it, our services have moved outside. God has blessed our church with an incredible seven acres in North Wilsonville, and someday we'll have a building there. But in the meantime, it's a perfect solution for us to have church during all that's going on in our world we would love to have you join us and so if you want the information about what our services look like this summer you can go to wilsonville.church slash property gathering that's wilsonville.church slash property gathering we would love for you to join us for one of these outdoor services they're going to be fun they're going to be different it's going to be an exciting summer and so we hope that you'll consider joining us we'd love to meet you in person Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon. I really do hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I, I read this the other day. We're living during a pandemic, civil rights movement, uh, economic collapse, an election year, all at the same time. And I thought, oh, good. Like, what do I address as I stand up on that stage and, and start to preach to our people? And I think making it worse is that there's a ton of divide in thought in our church right now, and uh, I'll, just, I'll just you know address the elephant in the room. We have people with us right now that 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 think that that COVID-19 is way overblown, nothing to be scared of, not we shouldn't be worried at all. The media has has really pushed a narrative that's untrue, and then we have people you know here some and and a lot at home in our church that. That are scared to death of what's going on. They, they're they worried that they're going to die. And that's a pretty, you know, that's pretty polarizing, right? Like both sides of those things. And there seems to be in our world more disunity, at least in our country, more disunity than ever before. I trust that our church will stay unified despite the differences that we haven't thought. But it made it a very difficult you know, thought process and prayer process. Like, what do I, what do I stand up there and, and address that's going to matter to a, a broad range of people in our congregation? And, and I think that what God wants me to talk about this morning is, is really, and, and really for the rest of the summer, is this, this single word, and, and the word is faith. Because what I believe about, you know, what we're dealing with right now is that that faith faith is the answer faith is the answer uh, whether you are uh, scared and confused, whether you think the government is trying to take all of our rights away, and that's kind of behind all of this. Uh, I think that the answer to all of the kind of questions that I think each and every one of us are dealing with, I think the answer to all of them is, in some ways, the baseline, the foundation. It's it is faith. If you are wondering like this, what should I believe, or who should I believe, what should I think, what should I do, how should I handle this, all of these things, I think that the answer that you need to start with is faith. And so I'm going to spend the next couple of months preaching on the topic of of faith. And it's not just going to be faith in general throughout the Bible, although we will start there. It's going to be faith in the Gospel of Luke. And here's what's cool is I started to to kind of look at, at the word faith scripturally. If you just turn to the Gospel of Luke, Uh, the story of Jesus' life as it is written down by the historian doctor named Luke, you begin to discover that there are all these stories where, where Jesus interacts with people. And then in the midst of these stories, Jesus makes a comment about the people's faith. And I think that they're really instructive because Jesus is encountering a wide variety of people. They have different problems. They have different Fear. Some of them are his own disciples who are spending all of their time with him. And as he talks about this this thing called faith, we begin we begin to get a picture of what it means to live by faith. And that's really gonna be the topic at hand this summer. I think that we understand this idea of faith often is just something that brings us into a relationship with God. But where we get hung up oftentimes is what does faith mean for our relationship with God after we've come into it? How does, how does faith play out when we've already placed our faith in Jesus' death and resurrection for the salvation of sins? And so that's what we're going to kind of discover, I think, as we look into the book of Luke and these stories about, about people who come to Jesus and then Jesus makes a comment about, about their faith, whether it be their great faith or their small faith or uh, how much faith they need or anything like that, we're going to learn about Faith, But before we do that, I think it's important to lay uh, a little more groundwork. First, we, we need a definition of faith as we move into this series. And uh, thankfully, it's really easy. I don't have any cute rhyme or anything like that, because we actually have a definition of faith in Scripture, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm going to read that again. It's important for everything that we're going to do here. Uh, the next several months. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Uh, the Bible.org great resource, man. If you've never been on the Bible.org, go there. It's it's super helpful. Uh, it says, faith—that is to say, the firm persuasion, the conviction which is based upon hearing, not upon sight or knowledge—a firmly relying confidence in what we hear from God in His Word. Uh, Notice this idea that faith is not just some mental assertion, it's not just that we believe something to be right, it is that we believe something to be right and true, and, and then we are convicted we we really change our behavior we place our confidence in that thing that we believe to be true the way i've heard it described and, and you've probably seen this illustration it's not very original but we believe that the that the stool will hold me up but when we place our faith in the stool is when we when we put our weight on it and when we trust that that it's not going to fall down we trust this stool is very old so it's probably not the best example but uh, but we trust that the stool isn't going to fall down that that is faith. Is when we move from looking at it and saying, "Yeah, that'll hold me up," to actually putting our weight upon it. And and to apply that to what we believe about faith as it is uh, in the Bible and and connected to our relationship with God, faith is going from, "Yeah, I believe." I believe that God loves me. I believe that God cares about me. I believe that God's made a bunch of promises to me. I believe that God can save me. And then saying, you know what? I'm just going to place my weight. I'm going to place my life uh, on him because, because I believe those things. Habakkuk 2.4 says, see the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. Notice this but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness or by his faith. The righteous person will live by his faith. Righteousness is having a right relationship with God. And what Habakkuk says long before Jesus ever lived is that if you're righteous, if you have a right relationship with God, it means that you are living on your conviction that God is going to take care of you. And obviously that has a wide variety of applications, but you are living in your trust that God will do what he says. He will do. Now, Habakkuk, very old. Uh, you know, that's a verse that we might just skip right over if we're reading through the Bible. But there's this amazing thing that happens. The New Testament writers, the guys that write after Jesus and teach us about Jesus, they quote this phrase over and over and over. Romans 1.17, the righteous will live by faith. Galatians 3.11, the righteous will live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, my righteous one will live by faith faith and that last one I think is even is perhaps the most important for what we are talking about this morning because there's only one verse in between it and the definition of faith so it's like my righteous one will live by faith and there's another verse that I'll read to you in a minute and then and then the writer of Hebrews defines faith for us and here's that verse I think it's it oh man I I think this verse is just Just huge. It's not the one I'm preaching on, but I think it's just so important for our lives right now and how we, the attitude that we have with everything that we are facing. Here's what it says But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. This verse suggests that in faith we keep moving forward and we don't react in a fearful way. We don't have to be scared of what's going on around us. Instead, we continue to press on because we trust the things that God has declared for us. That's that's really this uh, driven by the gospel story, the story that I used to tell every week at church in person and, and haven't been able to in a while, but let's just remember why we're all here this morning. We believe that, that we are sinners and that Jesus looked down from heaven and saw that we had done things that broke our relationship with God and he decided to leave the glory of heaven to come to this earth and we know how bad this earth can be and he came and he lived. And he lived sinlessly and at the end of that sinless life, he went to a cross and as he hung on that cross, he was paying the punishment, the price. He was paying the ransom for all of the things that we had done wrong. He took the punishment that we, that we deserved and, and he, he paid for it with his own body and blood and really with the torment of his own soul. And in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we read, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift. It is the gift of God. We we place our faith in Jesus. We say, Jesus, I believe that. I believe that you died for my sins, and I'm going to give you my life. As I said at the beginning, I think that all of us who are Christians have somewhat of an understanding that faith is that first step where we go, I, I, I'm, I believe it, I'm giving my life, I'm no longer going to live for myself, I'm going to repent of my sins and try to do the right things because I know you want me to, because I know that you're my Lord and Savior. I think we all have an understanding of that, but the question that I think is much more difficult is, after that, like what does it mean to continue to live a life of faith? What does it mean to live faith? in faith, and I think we're going to find that as we go through the book of Luke, and we see what Jesus says about faith, and this this first story is, uh, I, I preached on it not that long ago, and with a very different slant, I didn't just rehash a sermon, you're probably sick of that, I've been doing that for six weeks, Um, but, but this is a, a, a sermon, I preached on this, and, and I, I as a kid, I don't know why, you have like you know, Daniel in the lion's den, you have Noah's Ark, you have these, uh, you know, especially as a little boy, these big kind of grandiose stories, but this one is, has always been one of my very favorites, and here's what we read in Luke 5, 17 through 20. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. they had come from every village of Galilee, and from Judea and Jerusalem, And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus there's this incredible picture done by a Mormon artist, an LDS artist. And I wish I could show it to you, but you know, it wasn't going to be seeable out here. There's no way, but maybe we'll share the picture later online. And I think it captures the moment so clearly because there's this, this giant hole in the roof. uh, And then there's, there's, you know, this guy coming down and and I think when we read this, it's, it's so easy not to actually think about the paralysis that this this man has that he that he's you know lived with and there he is totally helpless coming down on on a mat of some kind connected to ropes because his buddies are up top and they're lowering him down and, and this all the people are looking up like kind of shocked and kind of appalled and then there's Jesus looking at this young man lovingly and reaching out his hand to him i think it captures this moment in an incredible way. I love, I love how Mark, the, the author Mark, writes it. Because Mark always writes in a simpler, more action-oriented way than Luke writes. And, uh, and, and he just says, And when they could not get near him, talking about Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when I preached on this last time, I I said, and I think this this has to be true, these guys have to be like college age, right? Because nobody else would just have the guts to say like, well, there's no way through the crowd. So here's what we're going to do, Bob, you know, like we're going to, we're just going to get on top of the roof and I got a shovel in my truck, you know, and we're just going to, we'll just get rid of the roof. We'll just tear it down and I'll put you right in front of it. It seems absolutely crazy. It's this crazy idea, but they do it anyway. And and, and here, man, here is is really what I want you to hear this morning. Faith finds a way to get to Jesus, and it finds a way to get others to Jesus too. Uh, there's a crowd in the way. There's a roof in the way. And, and these men believe so strongly that Jesus has the ability to make their paralyzed friend walk, that they will do anything and everything to make sure that they get to Jesus, that they get him to Jesus. Uh, Listen, here's what what we read about how Jesus thinks of this. It says in 520, this this is such a crazy idea, Luke 520, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. He saw their faith. And so instantly, they become an example for us of what it means, what it looks like to live a life of faith. Not just to have a faith and become a Christian, but to actually live a life of faith. If Jesus can look at a group of people and say, this is faith, then we ought to copy what those people did. And in this story, again, it it suggests to us that living a life of faith means that we will do whatever it takes to get to Jesus and to get other people to Jesus too. When I preached on this story before, I, I, I talked a lot about the words of Jesus here. He says, friend, your sins are forgiven and Man, I think that must have been a frustrating statement for these people who came uh, to make sure, to hope and hope that their buddy would be able to walk. And, and Jesus, you know, doesn't say what they want to hear. He doesn't say, get up and walk right at first. He says, you're forgiven of your sins. And I think all of us, what we want in life is we want Jesus to fix things. But Jesus doesn't always fix things. The reality is that Jesus does not always fix things, but He is always willing and able to offer forgiveness to us. I think with, you know, all of the things that are going on right now in this world, that a lot of you are making decisions about, you know, what to be passionate about and there's a lot of things that you can get fired up about right now it seems like everybody is fired up all the time about everything and and navigating that is hard and, and there's these these good things that we can do I think as we respond to the things going on in the world like I mean recognizing the inherent worth and value of black Americans because they were created in the image and likeness of God that is that is something that we should be for and that is something that is good I, I think that we should continue to desire for freedoms for people because that aligns with God's creative work God created us and although he is Lord of Lords he gave us freedom to do and act the way that we wanted to be and act uh, I think we should keep fighting for that I think that we have it is good for us to protect our, our our fellow loved the loved ones around us and to make sure that they you know are safe and don't contract the disease that might kill them All of these things are good and lots of people are fighting for them. But it is important as we gather as a church in the presence of God to remember that ultimately none of it matters apart from forgiveness. None of it matters apart from forgiveness. Now look, as a church, we work and strive to make this world better for people. We, we, we care about widows and orphans. We care about the community that surrounds us and the struggles that they have. And we want to help in those areas that people struggle. But the truth is that Christians cannot forget is that it doesn't matter how much we improve the lives of people while they live on Earth. If there is no forgiveness, all of it eventually will no longer matter. All of it will no longer matter. I've been thinking of it. Um, I've been thinking of it this way, and it, maybe it's a stupid example. I don't know, but, but, but we can get so caught up in improving the travel experience for people that we forget that the destination is, is really the most important thing. Like if I, if I told you, hey, here's the deal, here's the deal. You can, you can take a one-hour, I don't know, one-hour drive down the road, but you're going to be absolutely stunningly car sick the whole way there. You'll have to puke three times, uh, you know, on the side of the road. But when you get there, I'm going to give you a two-week stay in paradise would be like, "Well, yeah. I'm I'm down for that. I, I would be down for that. Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know how car sick you get, but I would be totally down for that." But right now what it seems we're we're very focused on even as Christians is is saying, you know, we know that there's a lost world who is destined for the opposite of paradise. But I I just want to make the travel experience a little bit better. We're saying, hey, I'm going to make the car ride better. I I want to make the car ride better, but you're going to a place that's going to be absolutely awful and you have to spend the rest of eternity there. And and what Jesus does here is he reminds us that, that faith is important, getting to him is important, but he's not always going to fix everything on this earth. But he offers every single person forgiveness of their sins so that the destination will be in a paradise that is perfect with him for eternity. That's that's something that we cannot cannot forget that. There is no perfect future apart from forgiveness. So faith always does whatever it takes to get people to Jesus and to get themselves to Jesus. That's what faith does. I mean, Jesus iterates this in Luke five twenty-one through 24. Listen, this, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to think to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew that they were, what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. Listen to this, listen to this. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He says, look, the reason I'm doing this miracle that I'm about to do is not because I want you to go, whoa. Not because I want to make this man's life a little bit better but because I want every person that's crowded into this room with me to understand that I have the ability to forgive sins. I have the ability to take away your sins so that the destination can be far better than anything that you can imagine. That's why Jesus chooses to heal this man. If we strive to make people's lives better but forget about forgiveness, we are offering people a better travel but to a worse destination. As Christians, that cannot be the case. I'm for us moving society forward. I think we have a God-ordained duty to do that. But I also think that at the end of everything we do, we need to remember uh, that the destination is the most important and, and Jesus is the only one who can forgive sins then says immediately, (laughs) this part is, this is also, there's two funny things in this story to me. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took the mat, or took what he'd been laying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. I just, what's so funny about it to me is it feels like a lot is really left out there. If like, if I was healed by Jesus miraculously, I don't go. Well, wrap up the mat. We're going home and just walk out of the room. It's so. It's such an odd, like line. Like this guy just, just, just does what Jesus says because he sees the power of Jesus. But in the midst of this kind of, I don't know, weird transition in my mind, we see the thing that I think we all need to be reminded of, and that is that he went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And they were filled with awe. Listen to that language. Saying we have seen remarkable things today. I know that it's hard to see the forest through the trees. Is that how that saying goes right now? And and we look around and and I think we can ask the question like, Is God still all-powerful? It's hard sometimes to wrap our heads around, you know, all the misery and struggle and evil that exists in our world. But if we, if you are a Christian and you have been forgiven by Jesus, if you've experienced his incredible grace, then you need to continue to praise and worship God and be in awe of all that He has done in your life and all that He can continue to do in our world. Uh, I think that, that, man, if we can just... If we could just pause for a second, I think we've been maybe so caught up in, in everything that's going on in the world. If you're like me, then, then uh, you know, you're just waking up and instantly getting on the news and you're reading about everything. I mean, how many cases are there and what can and can't we do now? And am I going to get a stimulus check? And, you know, like, I mean, all of these these things to be focused on. But what we sang earlier is so important. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. And that is what happens in this story. These people get to Jesus. They they have so much faith that they do whatever it takes to get to Jesus and to get their friends to Jesus. And when they leave, they are just filled with awe and praise because they have stared into the eyes of Jesus and they have seen marvelous things. You think, well, everything's better. Well, I just would point out Jesus didn't fix all the problems of the world when this took place. He didn't, he didn't take away all their pain or all their struggle. Th- these guys were still under Roman oppression. Uh, they were not free. These, these people w- would still die eventually and go through all of the things that go along with death. There was still controversy in the world. In fact, there's controversy even in the groups that are in the house with Jesus at this time. They don't always get along. They butt heads over certain issues. But when they all, when they all look into the eyes of Jesus and see how marvelous he works in the life of this young man. All of it turns to praise. They forget about all of the stuff that surrounds them, all of the difficulties, all of the pain, all of the turmoil, all of the sickness, all of the death, and they praise God. And I think what what Christians, including myself, have been really guilty of in the last four months it's turning our attention to all of the bad and forgetting that we need, if we're going to live by faith, to do whatever it takes to continue to look into the eyes of Jesus. Uh, what does this mean? I mean, I think it means that we have to pray. And man, I, it's been a struggle for me to pray, and I've heard that from other people. Uh, I think that it's almost, it's just so overwhelming. Like, what do we even pray for? And,. You know, like, I mean, like, there's so many things to press. So you're overwhelmed. And, and for us and our family, I mean, it's been a really busy four months. There was a couple weeks that felt. Decent, um, but like I mean, over the course of four months, like it's like keeping your head above water. My poor children, you guys are awesome. You're listening. They're so awesome. Uh, They hate the church property now because we live here doing work. It seems like shoveling stuff, and they're getting stung and running into concrete. I mean, it's just been busy, and it's been stressful. It's been overwhelming, and and prayer has been difficult. But we need to get to Jesus. Let me. I didn't know if I was going to tell this story on, on uh it all runs together now, you know how it is, Thursday or Friday, I was, I was down in the, on the dock behind Memorial Park in Wilsonville, and, and, and this, I was down on the dock, and I was praying, and I, I wasn't praying really for big things, I was actually confessing some sin, and, and all of a sudden, I look up at the top of the dock, and if you don't know the dock in Wilsonville, I mean, it's like any dock, but there's this narrow, kind of, difficult uh ramp to get up and you know it has like spiky so that you don't slide down it because it's so steep and I look up and there's this guy and you know you get a feeling about somebody instantly and I had not a good feeling about this guy instantly and, and and so he's at the top and I'm at the bottom and I'm about to walk up and and all the, you know, fight or flight kind of kicks in, honestly, and I, I, I could have taken him, but we're fighting on a dock, and like, I mean, like, I didn't want to have to fight him if I didn't need to, but there was no way to run, and so I'm not a good swimmer, and the Willamette's gross, and so, like, like, I mean, I'm just stuck, and, and so he starts to walk down, and I'm kind of paralyzed, and, and he goes, I don't remember his exact, uh, exactly how he said it, but he's, like, we're all going down, man, it's like, Okay, this is bad. <laughs> like, where this is this is not good. And and I say, "Oh yeah, what happened?" And 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 he goes, H- "Don't you read the news?" And I said, "Well, I I said no, funny enough, because I thought he meant that morning specifically. It's like all I do is read the news, but I said no." And then he looked at me like, "Are you an idiot?" Like, "I, I you don't know." And then he starts listing things that if you don't know, then you haven't like there's a pandemic and and people are rioting in the streets and I'm like well I knew about those things <laughs> like I I was aware that those things were happening in the world and then he looks at me and and it's a weird moment you can tell me what to make of it later and he goes no amount of praying is gonna solve it did he like Satan like did he know I was praying like it was so weird. And then we kind of passed each other and he went on his way and I stayed at a distance and I thought, should I continue to engage this conversation and try to lead this guy to Jesus? And I engaged it for a minute, but I was alone and scared and didn't want to die, but I could take him. Um, and so, so I, I said, as, as far as this conversation got, I said, well, I'm going to keep praying anyway. That's what I told him. And, and as I think about it, you know, after the, the thought, there's no, other, there's no other good hope, right? Like, I mean, he just he said As we're all going down, and he said the crap has hit the fan, and, uh, and <laughs> it kind of feels that way. And, and I think I turned to him. I do think I said this. I, I said, so what do you think we should do? <laughs> like if my praying's not going to work, I don't know how you knew I was praying. I wasn't praying audibly, but like, what do you think? And he had no answer for that. And I think to live a life of faith is, is to go, I don't know if Jesus is going to fix it, but, but I'm just going to sit on the stool. I'm going to lean in and continue to pray. I think that, that, that living a life of faith means we keep coming to the Word. We could come into the Bible. I know these are Sunday school answers, but, but right now, with, <laughs> I think I can say this and get away with it. There's a lot of misinformation in the world. I think we all agree with that. It just depends on what station you think is the misinformation, right? We're good. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation in the world, and I only know of one document that I can fully embrace as true, and it's the Bible. And, and so Jesus, when he, you know, he leaves us this, this thing that we can cling to, and no matter what goes on around us and how often we feel like we're lied to, to, to keep living a life of faith is to keep coming back to the Bible and, and embracing the truths and the promises that, that are within it. I think what this story suggests is that living a life of faith, it means we continue to worship Jesus. We, we, I mean, faith finds a way to get to Jesus, and it finds a way to praise Jesus and to worship him. And it's hard, right? Like when there's so many bad things and you're scared and you're worried and, and you're mad and you're frustrated. But, but if we're not worshiping Jesus, if we're not praising Jesus, if we're not singing songs to Jesus, if we're not telling Jesus that we're thankful for what he's done, then we are not we are not living the life of faith that we should live. And we're not following the example of this story. And for sure, it means getting, getting others to Jesus. It means telling others about Jesus and, and I, I'll just tell you, I think right now, we live in a time when we have a unique opportunity to share the gospel for two reasons. I think people like the guy on the dock, they're going, I don't know what to do. There's no hope here. And and we, if we're Christians, we actually have a hope. We, we, we trust that the destination is going to be incredible. We won't have to worry about this stuff anymore. And so people are looking for a solution. They're looking for a better destination than this world. And as Christians, we just don't think that this world is our home. We're looking forward to something better. But also, we now live in a time when everybody's willing to offend everybody. And I think a long time, for a long time, our excuse has been like, well, I don't want to offend people with the gospel and so i'll tread lightly and there's this thing called friendship evangelism that was big when i was a younger man and 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 we'll just we'll just you know kind of sow seeds and and not really ever tell people about jesus coming to die for our sins because we don't want to be offensive well that's gone out the window in our society I read things that offend me every single day on Facebook. Every single day. And nobody see. I mean, our society has switched. We've gone from you can't say anything to offensive to like I don't really care what you think or how you think and I'm not going to even say this in a nice way. And I think that I, as, as much as I don't like that it's created a new opportunity for us who are Christians to come along with a really offensive story. You're a sinner that needs saving. And and to be able to tell that story in a way that fits our social norms. Look, here, you want to know why I think the world's messed up? Because sinner to the world, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, and, and I gave my life to Jesus and it changed everything for me. It's like the least offensive thing you would read on Facebook this morning, I think, if you just told people that story. Faith finds a way to get to Jesus and it finds a way to get others to Jesus. And as we face everything that we are facing right now, as we worry, as we're angry about our nation and where it's headed and our, our even our, where our world's headed and if we're paralyzed by sickness and fear and fighting and corruption and greed and injustice, the list could go on and on. If, if, you're, if you're falling into that category, then here's what I believe. It's time to tear off the roof and find a way to get to Jesus and to get others to Jesus too. This is the only hope for us, for the people around us, and for our nation and world. Let me pray that we'll do just that. Lord Jesus, I am sorry for how often I try to find solutions in this world that are not tied to you and who you are. I love these these men, God, in this story. I think young men, no proof for that, but I think these young men in this story who knew that you were the only hope for their buddy who could not walk. And I believe that you are the only hope, God, for my friends and loved ones who are headed for an awful, terrible destination and who are just living in this on this world that, God, will get better and worse and better and worse, and some things will get better and some things will get worse. It's just not that good here, God, because the sin that exists. And I pray, God, that I would find a way to get them to you. I pray, God, that all of us here, God, all those who are listening online, I pray that we would absolutely do our best to get to you, to worship you, to pray to you, to read your word, to to believe the, the things that you have said in your word, God, and we would be a people that would tell others about you, God, because we have no hope apart from you. And God, whether prayer is going to work or not, I don't know. If you're going to choose to fix things or not, I don't know, God. But there is no other hope. There is no other hope. And so let us tear off the roof and get to you and help us to get others to you too, Lord. Start a revival in this country. Start a revival around the world. I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen.